Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 185. It's hard to beat that feeling when you know your cruise is just days away, and this week, I've got that loving feeling again because my next Royal Caribbean cruise is coming up, and I'll be proving my upcoming adventure on the fabulous Navigator of the Seas. In this episode, I will discuss my plans for the cruise, why I picked this ship, and talk about the many friends of mine that are joining me for it. Here we go. I'm just days away from my next Royal Caribbean cruise, and as always, I love to preview my cruise experience here on the podcast with you, talk about the things that I've got planned, and then contrast them when I get back home in a subsequent episode, because I really feel like sharing this experience with all of you, not only is it a lot of fun to talk about upcoming cruises, but also I think it hopefully it provides some insight into the rationale behind some of the decisions being made. Now, as many of you probably are aware, this is actually a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise, which means that not only am I going on this cruise, but I've invited every single person listening to this podcast and reading royalcaribbeanblog.com to join me for it. And this is actually, oh, I'm trying to think what number this is. I think this is our fourth, if I'm not mistaken, the fourth group cruise that we've done, and I, we've got the biggest group yet, and I am super excited for it. Now, we're going to Navigator of the Seas. This is a nine-night cruise out of Miami, Florida, down to Labadee and the ABC Islands of Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao, and I'll be honest with you guys, the reason why I picked this particular sailing for our group, first group cruise of 2017 is simply because Navigator of the Seas and the itinerary. Now, as many of you know, I love Navigator of the Seas. This is actually my third time on Navigator, and I fell in love with Navigator of the Seas back in 2014 when I went on her for the very first time just after her refurbishment, when she, back when she was based in Galveston, and then I was on her last year when she was based out of Fort Lauderdale, and now going out of Miami. It's actually, believe it or not, I know this is surprising to some people. This is my first Royal Caribbean cruise, or cruise in general, any cruise I've ever taken out of Port Miami. I've gone cruising in many other ports, but first time in Miami, so lots of firsts involved, and that's kind of cool. And I love that kind of feeling when you have a cruise, certainly going to places you know and love, nothing wrong with that. But being able to go on and have some new uh, firsts, even for someone like myself, that is really great. And you know what? There are a lot of firsts involved in here. Starting with, the, of course, the itinerary. We're going to Lombardy, which I've been to many times. But we're also going to uh, Aruba, Bonaire, and Curacao. And when I saw that we could go to the Southern Caribbean from a sh- on a cruise that leaves out of Miami, Florida. Because usually, you can go to the Southern Caribbean quite often. But you need to go on a cruise that leaves out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, which involves a flight and a little more uh, logistics involved. But here, it's out of Miami. It is in a couple more extra days, but the way that it works, it leaves on a Friday, comes back on a Sunday. So in reality, it's just one extra day off of work than it would be on a, on a seven-night cruise. And on top of it, it goes over President's Week, which I actually get the day off from my day job. So I'm really the same amount of days off as a seven-night cruise. This is just win-win all around. Now, as I mentioned, we're going out of Port of Miami. We're going to drive down to the port the night before, and a number of us in the group cruise are staying at the at a Hyatt Hotel right near the airport. Uh, it's actually very, very close by. In fact, it is the Hyatt Place Miami Airport East. Looks nice. It's a sweet hotel. What could possibly go wrong, right? Actually, it looks like a really nice hotel, and I'm excited to, to stay over there. And we also picked it because it's all, there's a suite option, which, of course, is my, with my family. Uh, is, is always is important to me and bring both my my daughters who uh, if you're new to the podcast or just lost track of how old my kids are which I could totally understand why they are now two and six 
and we're all really excited to get on board. So we're going on, uh, we're going on Navigator of the Seas. Also, another first is we booked our very first suite, true suite. We've stayed in junior suites before, but as you, as I think I've said before, junior suites aren't really suites. They're more like glorified balconies. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're not really a suite in the sense of what a full suite gets you. And we booked a grand suite with a connecting balcony. We found this room, and it was just like. It was perfect, right? Now, my wife gave me a look when I suggested booking a, a suite. She was like, are you kidding me? We're going to go book a suite? I said, no, honey, you're worth it. I need to reward you. And she, of course, rolled her eyes at all that. But <laughs> she she allowed me to indulge and, and try it out. And luckily, we booked this a long time ago, uh, back in 2015, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been a number of, of months, and we've been able to save our pennies and, and make this happen, which is great. But it's a very first suite experience. It's going to be very cool to, to see what it's like doing that. Certainly, I've been in suites before, and I've, I've read about the experiences, but I think experiencing it firsthand is very important research, and I'm using the air quotes that you can't see here, to, to convey that, of course, I'm doing this not because I absolutely would love to stay in a suite, but because, you know, I'm doing this for you guys, for research. So when someone asks me about a grand suite, I can comment on what it's really like. <laughs> I don't know if anyone buys any of that, but hey, that's what I'm going with. And so we're going to try that. And I'm looking for, you know what, for me, what I'm most looking forward to is obviously the extra space. Having the fact that we have a connecting room for our kids to stay in, it was even better because now we, my wife and I get to enjoy the sweet uh, amenities, are, are, you know, with a little bit of separation from the children. But also, I'm, lo- I'm loving the idea of the certain, I love the little small perks like priority embarkations and disembarkation for that matter. So being able to be literally the first people to get on board the ship, not, you know, not, even ahead of the crown and anchor folks, that to me is a huge deal. Having reserved spots on board the ship, be it around the pool deck or in the theater. You know, this will be something interesting to, to look back on when we do the review of, the, of Navigator. But I am in hoping and anticipating, quite honestly, that that's going to be a really nice perk. That having those access, access, special access is going to be a really nice uh, option, especially for us at being a family. Because, you know, we, we can't well, – it's a little more difficult to get everything moving, right? So we're not usually the first up to the pool deck. We're not usually – it's not so easy to get to the shows automatically. So I'm hoping these little perks here and there are going to be a big benefit. Also speaking of the suites, we are going back in Labadee. We're going to be staying at Barefoot Beach. Now, of Labadee is made up of a number of different beaches, but Barefoot Beach is the suites-only beach. And not only that, we, of course, booked a cabana. I say, of course, because I don't even make qualms about it. I've become a self-obsessed cabana fiend. I love cabanas. I always stay at cabanas in Nellie's Beach. And this time we're going to be staying in a cabana on Barefoot Beach. And I'm really looking forward to also checking out the upgraded lunch buffet. I've never been a huge fan of the lunch buffet in, on Labadee. I'm not a big barbecue fan. Something against the food. The food is fine. Uh, but I've always just enjoyed having the upgraded buffet. and Or rather, I've enjoyed the idea of having an upgraded buffet. So I'm curious to see how much better it really is and if it'll make a big difference. Because a lot of times we either go back to the ship or we just, you know, you know, we we only have a light lunch. So hopefully this will be a little bit of a better option for us. And, of course, having our own private beach area is certainly uh, an intriguing idea. Now, on board the ship, we've got a lot going on. Of course, we've got a lot of friends on board. It is a group cruise. And part of any group cruise, we indulge in a lot of different activities. You probably heard a couple weeks ago uh, my friend Billy and I, who were going to be on this, on this cruise, we did a, a preview of the cruise and we actually had, a, of course, a net on there as well, uh, talking about the group cruise. So you could listen to that episode. That was that it has no number. It's right between 182 and 183. So 182B. Uh, you can listen to that episode. It came out uh, back in uh, late January. But 
hanging out with friends is what really makes it. I love being on a group cruise and just seeing friends all over the ship. Being able to see, you know, a Billy or a Gerald or a Brandon uh, around or a Jody. And, and honestly, some fi- sometimes it's a matter of I'm meeting these people for the first time in person, despite the fact I actually have gotten to know many of them through various online channels, be it Periscope, be it the message boards on RoyalCommonBlog.com. And in other cases, brand new people all around. And I welcome that. I am super excited to be able to share in the cruise experience. I think there is nothing better than cruising with friends. And since I consider each and every one of you my friends to begin with, by virtue of the fact that we have something in common, we love going on a Royal Caribbean cruise, then I am super excited to check that out. This cruise also has been very interesting in the sense that I have gone back and forth about three different times on my dining arrangements. It's usually I book my dining in advance, but things have changed quite a bit. There's been a number of cruise planner sales, and originally I booked a dining package, then I canceled the dining package, and I've gone back to canceling the dining package. And the reason why I canceled it, I had it all the way up to literally the day I recorded this episode, which is just a couple days before the, the cruise, but I canceled the dining package because Rokery made a change in that Sabor Modern Mexican on Navigator of the Seas, anyway, is now down to $15 for dinner. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case on board the ship. And quite honestly, I expect it to be cost more on board the ship. But at $15 a day, it didn't make financial sense to, in my mind to reserve a dining package because you're not really saving all that much more money. I think I did the math and if I went to Sabor, which I will and Chops and Giovanni's table, I'm only saving like $5, but you have a little bit, you have that catch, if you will, the dining package, which is you have to eat at one of the restaurants on night one or night two, which I don't love to do. So when I said, you know what, I'm just going to book the restaurants individually, and I, I went with that plan, and I think, at least right now, I think that's the right plan of action to take. I've also invested in the in the drink package for myself. My wife is not getting the drink package, the al- unlimited alcohol package. However, she is going to try out the coffee card. This is a kind of a newer option that allows guests to get a certain amount of premium coffees uh, allocated to them for a fixed price. So basically, all she does is she, she has a card. She brings it over to Cafe Promenade or anywhere else they have premium coffee, and they take a little. They 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 stamp the card, and then she gets a, a drink included, and it will save her money for her Starbucks habit over booking uh, trying to book buy those drinks individually. So. We're all going to try something a little bit different in, in that regard, and I'm really excited. Now, of course, the highlight of this cruise in terms of visiting places, I talked about Labadee already, but Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao, amazing ports I've never been to, and I'm really excited to try this out. Uh, in Aruba, we're doing actually a Royal Caribbean Blog group excursion. I am, and we, again, we talked about this in that preview episode, but I'm rewarding every single person that booked into the Royal Caribbean Blog group cruise through our travel partner at MEI Travel. If you're supporting our sponsor, I'm supporting you. I want to give right back. And so we're doing a group excursion that is completely complimentary to everybody that booked into the group cruise. We're doing a, a, a bus tour of Aruba. It looks like a lot of fun. It's, it's a very uh, laid back kind of tour. And when you're with friends, everything is wonderful, right? And I'm really excited to check that one out. In Curacao, I'm actually trying something else brand new, which is Royal Caribbean's Private Journeys. Now, Royal Caribbean's Private Journeys is a new, fairly new offering where Royal Caribbean basically says, okay, you can plan your perfect excursion. You do what you want to do. You tell us what you want to do, right? And you get a private excursion just for you, everything you want to do, but you get it through Royal Caribbean, so you get the protection of you know, not having to worry about you know being left behind, the ship leaving you behind if you get stuck somewhere. Having that kind of flexibility is really interesting, and we are going to take it full advantage of that by trying out Private Journeys. So there's a little bit of research to see what Private Journeys is all about. 
And we picked out a custom itinerary. Basically, my wife and I decided on, on some cultural and historical spots in Curacao that we wanted to see. We emailed, we've been con- conversing with Royal Caribbean via email, and I'll describe this process probably more in, in more detail uh, in either a future episode or and or a blog post or both. But I will be uh, talking about that going forward. But we're, it'll be exciting. Not only is it our first trip to Curacao, but we're getting our own tour guide to take us around there. The one island I've been struggling with is Bonaire. I haven't found anything in the book yet, and as of the recording of this podcast, I haven't booked anything. And I think my plan is, I kind of relegated myself to say, we're going to get off the ship and just figure it out when we get off there. Bonaire is well known for snorkeling and diving, you know, scuba diving. These are not things that I do or we can do, especially with my kids. So I think we're going to just end up, I don't know what we're going to do. We were kind of leaning towards doing, I really wanted to, I found one excursion through Royal Caribbean, which was a glass bottom kayak tour. I said, wow, this, is a, this sounds like a great idea. I think it'll be a lot of fun. But the problem with it is that they don't allow kids under 10 or 12 years old. So that's out. And then we were talking about doing a glass bottom tour. Boat tour, you know, it's a traditional glass bottom. We've not, my kids have never done this before. It's only an hour and a half, not terribly expensive, and but I think we may wait and you know book it on board if we if we want to. Or I don't know that I have to book it right now, but we're gonna wing it, and that's okay. I think this is an important lesson for any port when you're going on a cruise. I know I always talk uh, talking about planning ahead and you know planning as much of it as you can, and certainly that can help. And I've done it in three out of the four places I'm going. But it's okay to also wing it in some cases. If something doesn't jump out to you, if you're not, re- you know, you've looked at it a, a couple different times and nothing really jumps out, then there's nothing wrong with also winging it. Sometimes you discover things, right? Maybe you'll get off the ship and you will see uh, some guy offering a tour. It's, wow, I didn't realize that was an option. Or maybe you'll get off the ship and you'll see something that'll catch your eye and, and you want to go check it out. Maybe on board the ship, you'll talk to another guest who will suggest an idea or a crew member or whatever. You never know. And it's okay to have a little bit of ambiguity with your plans. I think as long as you're doing the basic research to understand what's there. So, you know, the reason why I talk about doing research in the first place is so that you're not, you don't have regrets later. You don't, you don't go there and you come back like, oh, geez, I should have done that glass bottom tour. Well, if only I knew it was there, I would have done it. Here, in this case, I feel fairly informed that I've looked over the, the major options here. And so winging in is not a bad option as well. Now on board the ship. Otherwise, you know, I love Navigator. The uh, I love the dining on board. I love the pool deck. You know, it, it's going to be a very relaxing but fun-filled cruise, and I, I really am, cannot wait to get on board. Now, of course, like all cruises I go on, I will be live blogging it at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So, of course, check it out. I'll post a link in our show notes to our live blog. There's actually uh, our preview live blog post went up yesterday, so you can check that out. Uh, and I'll have a link to it. So you can follow along every single day. And I encourage you, quite honestly, to share your comments, thoughts, questions, if you have them, in the comments of our live blogs. I want them to be as interactive as possible. So just like this podcast episode, you know, I want you guys to be able to talk. And if you have an upcoming Navigator question or you're going to one of these islands, love to be able to help you with that. And, of course, that'll be at realcommonblog.com. So very excited to get on board Navigator Seas in just a couple of days. And, man, I am ready for my next Royal Caribbean cruise. It's time to answer your listener emails. I love doing this. Every single episode, we dedicate some time just to answer your questions, comments, and thoughts about everything Royal Caribbean. And, of course, if you want to send me your email, anything on your mind about Royal Caribbean, you can do so by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email comes to us from Mark Cavanaugh of Salem, Oregon, 
We're at Time At. I am 10 days away from our seven night cruise on Oasis of the Seas. We're in a Central Park balcony, and we're so excited that we booked this cabin based on your recommendations. This cruise is going to Nassau, St. Thomas, and St. Martin. This cruise is my 50th birthday, and one of my bucket list items is to watch the planes come into Maho Beach at St. Martin. We have everything planned for the first two ports. For St. Martin, the only things we have, okay, I, want to do is to go to Marigo in the morning, Maho Beach in the early afternoon, and a brief stop at the Hard Rock Cafe for my shot glass in Phillipsburg before getting back on the ship. Not sure if we take buses, taxis, or maybe your favorite driver. Any thoughts? Yes, Mark, uh, I would take taxis. I think for what you're looking to do, I don't know a private driver. Well, I love a private driver, and I always use Leo Brown when I'm in St. Martin. For your purposes, it sounds like you're no, I don't think you really need it. I mean, you're kind of, you're, you're, it's not quite a full plate of things to do. And I think you'll be, you'll be fine with, with uh, taxis. Not only that, you're going to very popular places. So, yeah, if I were you, I would just take taxis. You'll, I don't think you'll have any problem with there. Mark also writes, also, we're taking another cruise in June, this time on Radiance of the Seas, from Vancouver to Alaska, followed up by a land tour to Denali and Fairbanks. We love listening to your series on Alaska Cruiser earlier this year. We're going with my wife, sister, and husband. We both have balcony rooms that are next to each other. Do you know if we can take the screen down between the balconies to have a larger balcony room between the two rooms? Anyway... Keep up the great podcast. My wife and I loved it. It makes us excited to take more cruise. This is a great question, and this is something anybody who has connecting balconies of any kind should think about. Because on some ships, not all Royal Caribbean ships, you have the option of actually opening up the dividers that separate the balconies. Because, of course, if you and someone you know, and this this happens with, my, with me a lot of times, you know, the kids and I uh, are in our room, we have connecting rooms. If you have a common balcony divider between them, you can, in some cases, actually have the stateroom attendant remove the divider, in which case you then open up a massive balcony, which is really, really nice. It makes a big, big difference in, able, in order to be... Unfortunately, Mark, for you, you're in the exception. Radiance-class ships don't allow the balconies dividers to be taken out. They're fixed, so... Yeah, they're not, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to undo them and open them up in this particular situation. They actually work out on much of the larger ships, which you might think would be the opposite, but not in this case, Mark, but I promise you'll have a great time on board, and it's a good question. I'm glad you brought it up there. Our next email comes to us from Deborah Wolf, who writes, Hi, Matt. I took my first Disney cruise earlier this month, four nights on the Disney Dream, that allowed me to get to Castaway K Challenge Metal. I thought it might be interesting to have a few observations of the cruise in comparison to Royal Caribbean, which, by the way, Deborah, I love this idea. All right, here's Deborah's. Uh, she's got seven points here. Number one. Stateroom. I love the split bath in the Disney stateroom. I really like the bath that pulls down from the ceiling, or the beds that pull down from the ceiling. Otherwise, the stateroom was comparable. Number two, complimentary dining. We dined at three rotation dining restaurants along with brunch and dinner at Paolo, one of the upcharged restaurants. Although Paolo was amazing, the three rotation restaurants were simply okay. The theming and decorations were lovely, but the food was only adequate to good, and all three restaurants were incredibly noisy. They did not have the same atmosphere as the main dining room on Royal Caribbean ships. Evening shows. While the quality of the Disney Entertainment were high, I miss not having a full-length Broadway show. Number four, onboard activities. Here, Disney cannot hold a candle to Royal Caribbean ships, especially the larger ones. Also, it looked like the pools were more crowded than those on Royal Caribbean. However, Disney's midship detective agency, a type of scavenger hunt, was a lot of fun and led us to explore areas of the ship that we wouldn't have otherwise visited. In terms of public areas on the ship, the Dreams Atrium was stunning, but I missed having Central Park and a boardwalk. Boarding... We were in concierge, and the boarding process was so smooth, better than concierge on the Radiance. In addition, they make you feel so welcome on the Disney ship, whereas Royal Caribbean, the boarding process was more utilitarian. And lastly, art. While there are a lot of frame prints, the art in Royal Caribbean ships that I have sailed on was much more varied and of higher quality. Overall, while I enjoyed my Disney cruise, and will do that specific cruise again if I ever do any of the January races at Disney World, I am looking forward to my cruise on Harmony of the Seas in just a few short weeks. 
Deborah, great review. I was really nodding my head with a lot of what you said there, having been on Disney as well. I think a lot of your your observations were pretty on par uh, with what I was thinking. You know, this is what I always say about Disney. Uh, Disney Cruise Line is very comparable to Royal Caribbean. I think uh, it probably doesn't get nearly enough credit for being a, a, on the same level. I think a lot of times people have this idea that it's a premium cruise line. It's not. It's a mass market cruise line, despite the pricing. Just because you price something really high doesn't mean it's a luxury item. It just means it's expensive. There's a difference. And I think that Disney Cruise Line is very similar to Royal Caribbean. I think there are things Disney does better than Royal Caribbean. I do agree about the boarding, by the way. Disney really does make you feel like you're like the president of a small country when you board their ship. Whereas Royal Caribbean, it's like, hey, have a great time, guys. You know, it's nothing wrong with it. But when you see Disney and you go to Royal Caribbean, it's like, oh, oh, yeah, that one. That was a little bit better. So I definitely agree with there. I do uh, agree with you a lot about the onboard activities and the dining, especially. I remember when I went from Disney to Royal Caribbean, I noticed immediately the complimentary food was way better, especially the variety and quality of the international foods. I, of course, as many of you know, love curries and sushi and whatnot. And the Disney international foods are there's so few of them and they're quite honestly terrible. So compared to Disney, compared to Royal Caribbean, rather, it's not even a, a question. Um, so. Fair observations all around, Deborah. Thank you for sharing it. It's really helpful to be able to hear, you know, a fair and balanced uh, look at the two. Next, we have an email from Hope from Greenville, South Carolina. Matt, when can I expect dates released beyond April 2018? I want to book my Eastern Caribbean for late May 2018. Good news. Well, good and bad news, Hope. The good news is I know when. The bad news is not now. But Royal Caribbean will be releasing their itineraries in phases coming up in actually starting in the beginning of March. They're going to release different itineraries in phases. So the beginning of the year around Caribbean, followed by Europe, followed by Alaska, and then seasonal Caribbean and China. But the good news is it is coming up, Hope. It'll be coming up in, like I said, the first round begins in March. And for the Eastern Caribbean, as long as you're doing a year-round ship, like something that's based out of Florida year-round, you'll be able to book that right then. Of course, we'll be posting about it at royalcaribbeanblog.com so let you know when it becomes available, Hope, so you don't have to don't be sitting there. I would recommend, though, if I were you, uh, to talk with your travel agent and let them know what your plans are. Because one of the best tips I always give if you want to save the most money on your road coming cruise is to book it as early as you can. And if you can jump on these fares when they first come out, you will save hundreds of dollars, even if you wait just a couple weeks. So what you want to do is let your travel agent know. So that way, on day one, literally, they can book it for you. Especially if they know, okay, Hope wants to go on this week or somewhere in May on this ship to the Eastern Caribbean. All right. They can make it happen for you, and that way you can get in on quite probably the best possible price for you. So it's a good question, Hope, and I hope that anybody who's looking forward to a 2018 or 29, early 2019 cruise, you want to jump on it sooner than later. I understand sometimes you can't necessarily take advantage of it right away, but the earlier you book it, the better. Plus, something to look forward to earlier, right? Next, we have an email from Derek writes, first off, thank you so much for your amazing information you provide on the blog and podcast. It's such a great resource for all things Royal Caribbean, and it's a wonderful virtual escape to cruising. I recently listened to your Guide to Labadee episode while shoveling a foot of snow off my 2,000-foot driveway, and it made me feel like I was building sandcastles on the beach. I'll be sailing on Adventure of the Seas September 16th, 2017, and I have a question on breakfast options. I love to eat breakfast in the main dining room because of the increased options and service, but my wife was acute, has acute social anxiety and would rather be thrown overboard than eat with strangers. Is it possible to A, get a table for two at the breakfast in the main dining room, or B, order food and pick it up to the main dining room so I can take it back to the room eating it on the balcony? I would love to have an omelet with unopened eggs, as mentioned by Michael Poole in his live blog, with French toast on my balcony while sailing into port. 
I'm aware of the room service breakfast options, but as Ariel would say, I want more options. Uh, bonus question. Any chance by September they'll have any form of Sabor offered on adventure? I would shovel all the driveways on my street for some Sabor guac and chicken stuffed jalapenos right now. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> Thanks for all you do. Derek, love the email. Thank you for reaching out. Actually, in terms of your dining options, A or B, the answer is both. Yes, you can. You can ask for a table. You might have to wait a little bit, Derek. They might tell you you have to wait like five minutes. Probably not a big deal. Uh, so that is definitely an option, though. You can certainly go with that. And yes, you can also alternatively just order the food. They'll put it to you on with plates with the covers on them, and you bring it right back up to the to your, to your theorem. Alternatively, you can also go to the Winjamer. And take the food to go as well. So you do have that option. Both work. I have done both. Sometimes we just want to sit by ourselves. Sometimes I don't mind the company. So yes, you can absolutely uh, take advantage of, of both. Now your bonus question. No, unfortunately not. No Sabor on Adventure. I was kind of disappointed that wasn't an option being offered on there. But maybe in the future. I hope that'll change. They're actually putting Chops Grill in location where Sabor is on, say, Navigator of the Seas. Kind of an interesting choice there. But why? I have no idea. But... I don't know that we'll ever get privy to that that exact answer, Derek, but it's a good question, and uh, hopefully this helped you out a little bit there. Moving on, we have uh, time for uh, another email or two. Let's move on to our next one. It is from Ron Dons. You asked for reviews of cruises. So here's mine. I submitted this uh, as well uh, online, so excuse the grammar. We now use the food term food jammer instead of wind jammer. Credit to the comedian Mike Pace. It seems to fit so well. Uh, we did a Serenade of the Seas January cruise to the Southern Caribbean. And uh, for the review, Serenade has some really good features, but lacking features that were noticed. We were in cabin 8598, which was always quiet, even though it was near the center and where the live music was played. The layout of this balcony cabin is very similar to other balcony rooms we've been in, but it was a bit more compact. This was most notable when walking past the end of the bed to get to the balcony door. And in the bathroom, where fitting two people at any time was always a challenge. The balcony itself was a reasonable size relative to our previous experiences with two chairs and a reasonably large table. We noticed there was only one place to get a, f- a cup of free coffee in the food jammer on Deck 11. The only other place coffee is available for extra cost was on Deck 5 at Cafe Latitudes. Also, there was less availability snack foods on board. Again, at Cafe Latitudes, you could get cookies, pastries, donuts, etc. Uh, during depending on the appropriate time of the day, but nothing else to eat. You could get food at Park Cafe inside the solarium most of the day, and we liked the food that they offered, albeit in intentionally minimal offerings. The food jammer most of the days had limited offerings, but on the days they had surprises like filet mignon or sea bass and lobster, uh, there, that was a real highlight. A big plus was the amount of live music available throughout the ship. The schooner bar had the piano player, sometimes a singer, at most times just a pianist. The pianist was very talented. And the sunroom had a variety of live music throughout the day and evening and served, a, served as a dance floor where some dance classes were held. In previous times, the sunroom was also the place for aerial acts. These have been permanently discontinued, as well as other ships where they occurred. Too bad, as I was looking forward to seeing it. Another big plus was the quality of the onboard singers. The lead male and female singers even had their own show one night. Think of Michael Bublé and Whitney Houston, and you have pretty much what they sounded like. It was that good. Even the cruise director did a show one night singing 50s and 60s songs with the orchestra backing him up. Although the songs were dated and not my cup of tea, his performance was top-notch. We enjoyed being able to sit out for breakfast and lunch at the back of the ship behind the food jammer. One side is set up for Rita's Cantina, which is only open from about 6 p.m. to about 8 p.m. You could use that area for seating for lunch and dinner, despite a sign saying otherwise. We were disappointed they could only buy from Rita's Cantina menu for dinner. We did not go to Izumi for sushi. So, great stuff. He's got actually a lot more information here. So, Ron Dons, first of all, thank you for the great review. You know, it's interesting. I'm reading your review, and I granted, no, Ron, I don't know much about your cruising history. I am venturing to say this is you've been on larger ships before, Serenade. And 
Serenade being a Radiance-class ship is a, is a beautiful ship. Of course, I've been on Jewel and Brilliance and very, very similar ships. So everything you're talking about here, I pretty much can can uh, relate to being on those other ships. I will tell you that it sounds like maybe you're more of a big ship kind of guy, Ron, which is not a problem. And, and nothing to say you can't do both, quite honestly. But it sounds like you really relish having those options. By the way, about the free coffee, I could – I would bet money – that there is also free coffee available in Park Cafe in the Solarium, as you mentioned. There is food there as well. But I could swear, I, I can see it in my mind, the free coffee in Park Cafe on Brilliance of the Seas. And I would be shocked if it wasn't the case also on Serenade. But uh, anyway, just a really minor gripe. And I just want to make sure I brought that up there to uh, point that out. But you know what? There's, you know, when you have a smaller ship, you have less options. There's less variety. There's no question about it. But I do agree about the music. I love the live entertainment. This is true of all Royal Caribbean ships. But on the Radiance Clash, they do a phenomenal job with that. So I'm so glad to hear that uh, you enjoyed it. And thank you for so much for the, the email. All right, guys. We'll wrap things up with one more email. Because you know what? I, I Trust me. If I didn't pay attention to the time here, I would just go on forever. Our next email is from Tim from Marshallville, Ohio, a.k.a. Bayou Steelers on Periscope. Now I know who this is. I, first of all, by the way, by Tim, I had no idea you were a guy. I thought you were a girl. <laughs> I don't know why. But anyway, Tim, it's nice to meet you. And Tim writes, I was listening to one of your bonus podcast episodes today about the upcoming cruise at the ABC Islands. I know you'll do a group cruise podcast, but just... But what about a podcast on just the ABC Islands? My wife and I are planning a cruise to the ABC Islands when the summer 2018 bookings open up and would love to hear all about them. Just a thought. Tim, that's a great idea because you know what? Just like you, I was in the same situation. Like, I don't even know what you do on these islands. So I agree. You know what? When I get back, I think we're going to have to do an ABC Islands episode. And I think I have a friend or two in mind that have been there, in fact, more often than I have. And we can talk about that as, as a good podcast. I would love to do that one, Tim. So that's a great idea. And yes, count on it, my friend. How about that? Very, very good. All right. Since Tim's email was really, really short, we'll add one more in. I hope no one's keeping score at home. Our final email, I think, unless Amber asked me a really short email, is from Amber from Utah. I'm listening to episode 147 of the podcast, and a listener mentioned in the email that Solarium Bistro is free for breakfast and lunch, but has a $20 cover charge for dinner. I'm confused. I booked it for dinner in the cruise planner for Anthem of the Season in March, and the price is listed as zero. Have they changed it for a cover charge complimentary since that episode, or am I just special and got an awesome free perk? Amber, if you want to, you know what? Let's go with your special and you got a free perk. <laughs> Actually, the reality is you're both right. On on regular ships, on like an Oasis-class ship, you're right. The Solarium Bistro is free for complimentary. Nothing's free. Complimentary for breakfast and lunch. But for dinner, there's a cover charge. However, on the Quantum-class ships, including Anthem of the Seas, it's different. They have a different model and it's free throughout. Now you're asking, why is that, Matt? Well, what happened is, if you go back in time, there actually used to be a different restaurant in the um, in the where the Solarium Bistro is now. It was actually a Devonly Decadence. I almost forgot the name of it. It was a originally it was like it was a specialty restaurant, which means it had a cover charge for it. It was a uh, it was a restaurant that was based around a celebrity chef, um, and her name was uh, I know her name was Devon Devon Alexander, if I'm not mistaken. And she's evidently a big to-do celebrity chef. I don't believe it or not. While I know a lot about Royal Caribbean, I know next to nothing about celebrity chefs. So forgive my ignorance here. That being said, she, the restaurant opened on Anthem of the Seas. And within a couple of months, it closed. There was a whole... No, we didn't really get the whole answer. I actually tweeted her about it. And I believe she mentioned something along the lines of... And I'm paraphrasing here. But she mentioned something along the lines that it just took more time and resources than she anticipated. Anyway, long story short, they closed the restaurant. But before they closed it, they changed it to complimentary because this was... If you guys remember, there was a bit of an issue with... 
keeping the re- it was a combination of keeping the restaurant full and also offering enough complimentary options on board. So they changed the complimentary. Then the restaurant closed, and then in return, in exchange, they had to obviously offer something else. So they went back to the Solarium Bistro model. So long story short, the reason why the Solarium Bistro is free on Anthem is yes, it is free actually for dinner. You're not super awesome and got a got a secret. No, that's the way it works. But it's because it's basically inheriting the complimentary status of the restaurant that preceded it. Uh, so it's kind of a mangled history. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Uh, but it's it is it's not a mistake. You're doing it right, and uh, I hope that made some sense. Like it made sense in my mind. I don't know if it's going to sound that way, but hopefully that helps. Amber, thank you so much for the email. Thank you to everybody for the wonderful Royal Caribbean emails. I love doing this. And of course, if you want to send me your emails, your thoughts, maybe you read something on the blog, or something on an episode, or just have a question about your upcoming cruise, this is your opportunity to talk about it. This is your open forum. I want you to email me, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.